Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks. Our guest today is Marcus Brigstock, and spoiler alert, he's bloody great. Before we get stuck in though, I wanted to tell you about a new companion podcast to this that we're starting, where you can get involved and tell us about the worst people and things you could be stuck on an island with. It's called Compact Dicks, and I'll be doing it with James Deacon, who started this podcast and hosted it before me, and we want to hear from you. It's... In fact... That was him just texting me now about it. Anyway, all we need you to do is go to dickspod.com slash contact and tell us about who or what you'd hate to be stuck on an island with and why. That's dickspod.com slash contact. You don't have to give us your full list, just whatever or whoever comes to mind and we'll read the best ones on Compact Dicks that week. And you can keep up to date with everything by subscribing to this podcast and following us on social media at dickspod. Right. End of message. Here's Desert Island Dicks with Marcus Brigstock. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest, and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian Marcus Brigstock. How are you doing? Hello, how's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. You know, Good. F- fighting off the constant terror of the... <laughs> of a global <laughs> pandemic but i mean i don't feel that makes me unique no no <laughs> yeah it's weird isn't it the waves of kind of feeling totally fine and then just going oh yeah i forgot about that yeah yeah like, oh that was weird it's weird too i think it's easy to forget that each of us as individuals is processing a global pandemic the national response to that your family and friends your immediate loved ones and yourself as an individual all at once and trying to work out like what's the reasonable thing to do. No wonder some people have gone mad and gone on marches with David Icke and whoever else. I mean, I'd like to make it clear, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't, but I'm not surprised that some people have just gone, yeah, no, it's too much, I'll, I'll just go mad instead, it's more comforting. Mm. I had a neighbour at one point, this is a couple of months into it, and she, when when the infection rate was going down, she was like, you know, I mean... If it doesn't go back up again once things go go normal, I, you know, it was all a hoax, wasn't it? And I was like, I, I, why did you have to say that? Because we'd gotten really yeah. well before that, and now, and now I mean, they've moved out now, so it's fine. But <laughs> now, forever, I will think you're a dangerous person to communicate with. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would, I would have been happy for you to do some babysitting before, but now, no, yeah. no way. Under these circumstances, you two cray. <laughs> <laughs> So um, thank you for coming on. How have you found the process of choosing your uh, dicks for the island today? It's tricky, actually. I don't know if it's more difficult than choosing people you would like to be marooned with. But, you know, there's this sort of like, well, who would I hate straight away? Hmm. Who would I sort of want to have a fight with as soon as I got there and kill and possibly eat them? And you sort of have Nigel Farage and Donald Trump and Dominic Cummings or something, you know. And then I thought, well, no, because... What if I ended up getting on with them mm. over time and then coming back going, do you know what, I've heard what they have to say <laughs> and in the end, I actually think they've got a point. <laughs> so I couldn't bear that idea. Mm. So I did find it quite tricky. I think I probably found the food thing the most difficult because yeah. I like everything. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm similarly not that fussy. But um, well, well, we'll crack on and we'll see how we get on. Mm. Um, so who's going to be your first choice for the island? Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls, yes. I'd hate to be on a desert island with Bear Grylls. <laughs> because as, as I say, there's two, op- there's two ways I'd like it to go. And one is I'd like to die straight away. <laughs> I'd like to starve or fall off a thing and just die really quickly so that I don't have to suffer. Yeah. I've always, whenever friends or 
my kids or whatever have gone. So in a zombie apocalypse, how would you survive? Like, I wouldn't. I'd go out deliberately and get bitten straight away. Yeah. Go with the flow. You know, why fight and watch every, everything you've loved fall apart and get chewed up? So there's a part of me thinks, oh, come on, this is too awful being on a desert island. Just let me die. And Bear Grylls wouldn't let that happen, would he? No, no. He'd have a solution to everything. Like, mm, do you know if you suck sand for long enough, yeah. you can get all the tiny bits of dead fish out of it and you'd be amazed. You can actually suck nearly four calories an hour out of sand. And you see that tree over there. If you lie with your mouth wrapped around <laughs> that, you can absorb the same amount of moisture that the tree would absorb. And I'd hate all that. But, you know, the other part of me, and I think the greater part, is like, no, I'd want to survive. I'd, I'd want to make my way on this island and mm. build a shelter and find water and find food and make a success of it and stay sane. And, and when I got off the island, say, yes, you know, uh, it, there was no Lord of the Flies happened here. Mm. I kept up my end and I was a decent guy. And the thing with Bear is, straight away, he'd be like, yeah, you can do it like that. But actually, if you put a basic supporting structure using wood from this side of the island, which is already dried out, you'll find that it stays up for a lot. And you'd be like, all right. Yeah. 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 Your way's better. Yeah, I think, like, he'd just, it'd be impossible not to just have him as, like, the sort of default leader. Or you'd just have to go, yeah. Bear, am I doing this right? I mean, is there a better way of doing it? And it'd yeah. just be impossible. You know, when you're trying to have a sort of egalitarian social structure, he'd naturally mm. kind of, you'd just have to turn to him all the time. Cause, yeah, yeah. You know. Which would be, in a way, would be fine. I'd be like, I never mind deferring to greater expertise. But then that would play into some of my worst instincts, which would be, Oh, look, Bear will knock us up a hut. <laughs> Bear will kill us a toad that we can eat. Yeah. We'll be all right. You do it. And I just get fat and lie in the sand, <laughs> getting sunburnt. Um, so I think on every level, don't get me wrong, I think he's probably quite a nice bloke, I think. I have no, I have no evidence for that at all. Mm. But I think he'd be very hard to be around, especially if he was really nice about it. Yeah, yeah. And if you went, oh, Bear, look, I... um. I've managed to catch this fish and he'd know that that fish is completely poisonous and he'd, he'd be supportive, which would be awful. Yeah. And he'd go, oh, that's so brilliant. What a brilliant thing you've done there, catching that fish. And that's, you know, as a practice fish for one that we can eat. <laughs> that's such a good fish. And I, I think that's super mm-hmm. I really do. Shall I catch this one we can eat? Yeah. He'd be so nice about it, and you'd be like, ah, oh, fuck off. Yeah. I'd just, I'd rather eat the poison fish. <laughs> and I, I think all the uh, all the times when he's kind of telling you what you have to do to survive, like all the things, that, like you said, you know, he's saying, eat this disgusting thing or put yourself through this horrendous ordeal. And if you get to that point where you have to do that to survive, mm. it's not going to keep you alive that much longer. So I'd almost rather die without yeah. having to sort of lick the bottom of a rock or sort of, you know, yeah. find some Drink maggots. Your own piss. Or, yeah, it's like, well, if it's yeah. going to buy me a day, I mean, fuck it, I'll just die with some dignity. What's the point? <laughs> exactly, or no dignity. No. You know, like I don't, I don't care, but just get it done. But with better breath. Yeah, with better breath. Just get the dying <laughs> done, so that. So that when I am found, people don't go, yeah, and his his last drink was his own piss. Mm. <laughs> That's how desperate he was. And as that went on, the piss got thicker and thicker. And what we thought when we first found him was a Werther's original wasn't. <laughs> it was the last pellet of piss that he'd made. <laughs> We're like, oh, come on. Oh, man. Come on, just let me die. Yeah. Also, I think he's the leader of the scout movement. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think that's great, but like, I'm simply too old for a woggle. <laughs> yeah, I think that also the other thing um, I feel with Bear Grylls is the sort of constant need to keep up morale. That he, uh, every program, he's always yeah. talking about the need to keep up morale. And because he's going to be the one chivying you along, mm. and he's like, oh, do you know this this uh, old scout song? And you're going to have to learn it. And in a way, you're going to be doing it for him because if you mm. if you don't keep him happy then he's going to snap and go crazy. And because he's been bottling up his morale for so long, 
that's going to be really unpleasant. Imagine being responsible for Bear Grylls shrugging his shoulders and going, do you know what, fuck it, I'd rather die. <laughs> imagine, imagine having that burden where you're like, yeah, I talked Bear Grylls out of surviving, actually. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I don't know, I just sort of brought him down. And in the end he went, nah, let's stave each other's heads in with a big, <laughs> a big rock. You'd fit, what an awful way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that could be like a new uh, technique, though, after you've made it off the island. If you persuaded Bear Grylls not to survive, you could be sent into hostage negotiations, think that they couldn't break the deadlock and you just sort of go in, talk to them for a bit, persuade yeah. them to just give up, you know. Persuade the hostage that, that the best thing for them to do is to kill themselves so that they can't be used as a bargaining yeah, chip. Yeah, yeah. It's like a new yeah. way of doing I, I'd like, I'd like to think I have a use now that in lockdown and in the pandemic, being a comedian has got so much more difficult. And I'd like to think it's a sort of end of days hostage negotiator mm. yeah. where I say to the kidnappers, look, you've made your point. Just kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like... Oh, are you the bloke who talked Bear Grylls out of surviving? Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. me. And they're like, you let him just, you let that guy come along and talk all the hostages into killing themselves. It's like, yeah, I was going to argue, but I was just worried about what he was going to do to me. You know, if I put up any. Resistance. Yeah, exactly. I felt this situation could turn at any minute, and I thought, no, it's best that we all die straight away. Yeah, just let him get on with it. <laughs> Would you want to survive? On an island. Like, do you have that in... Have you got that fight in you? I feel like I have. Like, hmm. I don't is, know. But, go on. I mean, you know, I live in London. I work in the media. I'm so rarely tested in any way. I have, Very I soft. Have, you know, I have no idea, like, how I'd do. I mean, you know, like, I struggle to choose between different kinds of bread in the supermarket, you know, or, like, mm. when there's too much choice. So, in a way, maybe the lack of choice would help me a bit. But I am completely mm. soft, as you say. So... I mean, but do you have that thing in you that's like that deep down goes, I think I'd know what to do. No, I think I'd be all right at this sort of like whittling and building bit. I think I'd be okay at mm. that. But the actual like useful yeah. stuff. It, it's funny, isn't it? That it, it is soft people like us that imagine that whittling would have any role at all. Yeah, yeah. It's really an ornamental thing that yeah. and, and it's it's for wasting time. And I don't. I don't know that it would have a use. Because I think, like, with I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. I've looked at that a few times and they asked me to go on it a couple of times years ago. And I was like, yeah, but all the challenges are all manufactured and they're all kind of like, you know, I'd, I felt, I really felt like, yeah, I'd like to actually go and stay in the outback and see how long I could make it last before I died. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, so I do, I've got, but it's a it's a private school thing, isn't it? It's that arrogance that says, I'd probably be fine. <laughs> you know, a chap adapts, doesn't he? <laughs> Which I think is what Bear's got. I imagine he's a private school lad. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of Duke of Edinburgh award scheme through yeah, and through, isn't lad. he? That kind of good chap. Lad. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nice know. bloke. It'd be fun to get to know him. Mm. Well, it's true you though, know. isn't it? There's that sort of thing of going, you've become a survival expert. But, you know, you've never had to try and survive. So because you've had it so good, mm. you've had to put yourself in these difficult circumstances. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, I'm going to rough it a bit before I go back to my comfortable life. It's like, I don't yeah. know, do you get working class survivalists? I mean, it seems to be quite a sort of like... Well, I, I, I think you do, but I think it's their life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like, can't make a programme. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. yeah. I think I think lots of people's lives are... Like miraculously difficult day to day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, I mean, very fair point. Yeah. EastEnders, you know, I mean, how do they go on? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But imagine, you know, I do imagine that Bear, he might spoon you at night if you asked him to. Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's the warmth thing that he, he'd be aware of. But if you said actually part of getting through this, is looking after my mental health, a bit of self-care, and I'm going to need you to spoon me. I think he probably would. Yeah. And then I think in, in, in that way, I think that, those, that might be quite confusing as well. Mm. <laughs> it looks like he's got a hell of a grip on him. Yeah, I bet he does, yeah. yeah. Stuck to you like a, a big posh limpet. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you just feel his woggle pressing into your back, wouldn't you? Yeah. Is, is that, that is your woggle, isn't it? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's very high up. Yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> Is that? Have you double woggled? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Bear's going to join you on the island, and uh, who's going to be your next choice? Morrissey. Morrissey, yes, okay. Morrissey off of Out of the Smiths. Yeah. And I think we all know why. Hmm. Because, you know, if you'd asked me, if, you, if I'd done this podcast before there were podcasts in the late 80s, possibly early 90s, I'd have been hard-pressed to choose between Robert Smith and Morrissey mm. for good company. Mm. You know, I, obviously, I wouldn't inflict hot, sunny beach weather on Robert Smith. <laughs> Not fair. Not fair. <laughs> no. Don't put a goth in the sunshine. No, no. Um, but Morrissey, and, you know, like, his, his lyrics and his whole way of being really spoke to me as a, you know, as the right kind of teenager, which is a sort of slightly insular insecure one considering life the universe and everything and some of the anger in his lyrics really spoke to me and and the softness and the consideration and all of that and and now he's Morrissey mm. and I think I think what I wanted in finding like the worst person to be on there with is someone who still looks a bit like a person that I used to love and it's the disappointment as well as anything else. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm. I, th I think with Morrissey, it, even if he didn't have such insane views these days, just even at his prime before all that sort of stuff came out, he would still just be relentlessly hard work, I think. Oh, yeah, look, let's be clear about that. But I, it, absolutely, you are totally right. Like, even the best version of Morrissey, even one tempered by Johnny Marr or by youth and whatever else made him seem so much more reasonable. He's a, he's a Donald Trump level narcissist. And mm. I think a narcissist on an Island would be difficult. I think he'd struggle with Bear Grylls. I think, I think in that respect, I would get some pleasure out of him being yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to him go up the end of the Island and, and struggle with, you know, how plausible Bear Grylls is and how attractive, but at the same time, how... How hateful. <laughs> It'd be fun, though, Bear trying to get Morrissey to sing some songs. It's like, let's build, you know, let's have a campfire sing song tonight. Come on, yeah. Morrissey, you know, you're a singer. Sing one of your songs. But there's... King Ganguly, <laughs> Gooly, Gooly, watch out, King And Bear going, you've taken all of the zig out of it, Morrissey. <laughs> It's too bleak, isn't it? Yeah, really. It'd be bleak. too bleak, mm. too bleak. But I think I think the idea of Morrissey suggesting that the island was better bef before the invaders came. Yeah, it'd be like, of course, it, of course, it was, Mozza. Yeah, there was literally nobody here. What's your point? Where are you going with this? What's what sort of purity are you after? <laughs> And you're going to be, you're trying to survive. You're eating fish or whatever you can find. Morrissey's staunchly remaining vegan. And, you know, even in the survival thing, he's going to be like... Yeah, come his, on, Mozza. His dying breath is going to be a sigh of disgust at you, sort of trying to survive by eating an animal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. As you chow down on another slightly poisonous fish and he just <laughs> looks at you with a weak, thin, sunburnt face and says... It's murder. <laughs> Eating fish is murder. You're like, oh, Morrissey, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Just have a tiny bit of fish. Come on. Yeah, just suck on a fin. Do something. Just, yeah, have a little fin. I'll tell you what, we'll try and keep the fish alive and you just lick some of the slime off it. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, we probably all get a bit more right-wing as we get older. And by right-wing in this context, I mean more... I mean, less able to cope with change. Mm. I see that in my own life. Mm. You know, I'm like, it takes me that bit longer to go, all right, that's shifted. Okay, yeah, <laughs> all right. I'm not immediately like, yeah, good, it's new. <laughs> it's new, you squares. I'm like, oh, uh, how many pronouns? Yeah, oh, it's kind of all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll get there. It's fine. Mm. But it just takes that bit longer. So with Morrissey, I'm like, yeah, all right, you know, okay. And he kind of, he's one of those who dresses it all up in, you know, the concern for the 
working class, this is England left behind. Mm. You're like, yes, yeah, there, there are genuine concerns there, but that's not how you're expressing yourself, is it? Mm. You've taken the cheap, shitty, easy route. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, you know, I don't know how he'd cope on a desert island as well. I think he'd moan more than me, and in that way, maybe I'd find that comforting. I'm sure I heard his uh, desert island discs once, and for his luxury item, he wanted something. I think originally he wanted something like enough medicine to be able to kill himself. So and that's the sort of approach he'd be going in with. I think reluctantly yeah. he he said something like, "Oh, I'll take a pillow then if I'm not allowed like, you know, a lethal volume of, of yeah. antidepressants or whatever." A, a pillow. Yeah. I mean, for for a lyricist who's managed such extraordinary heights, that's not hugely imaginative, is it? <laughs> I think I, I was wondering the other day. Have we? Do you think we've reached the point where? Because it's quite difficult to listen to Morrissey these days, but I, we haven't quite reached the point of like a Michael Jackson, like, "Well, you're not allowed to play that at a wedding anymore." You know what I mean? Not that there's much of the sort of yeah Morrissey's back catalogue you play. I'm a weirdo where all this is concerned. In that, I'm of the view that the totalitarian position on this is absolutely unsustainable. Hmm. So if you if you if you go back and say you can't listen to any Michael Jackson, any Jackson Five, or any samples that have come from that stuff, I'm like, yeah, all right. I mean, all right. If you're sure that's what you need to do, um, don't go and look at a Van Gogh. Don't listen to any of the classical composers. Don't listen to any James Brown mm. or Bowie or Beatles. Yeah, like, before you know it, there's nothing left. I wrote a whole thing about it, actually, about how do you separate the art from the artist, and I think ultimately you do have to. But maybe that's why Morrissey's got to be on my worst people on a desert island, because, and I think that, I hope this is a compliment to the man, because I mean it to be, he is his art. Mm. You know, like, there's not much separation between Morrissey and his art, which is why it's so painful to see what I consider to be a deterioration into a sort of, not even that it's right wing or anything, but a lazy way of thinking. Mm. Just a lazy, like, oh yeah, this is a short solution. Get rid. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's so fucking lazy. So I think Morrissey is his art. But generally, I take the view, if you still like Michael Jackson's music, I don't know, and you need a way to get there, bear in mind the sort of childhood he had. Yeah, yeah. You know? Also, ah. I mean... Given that he was a child star, you've got. I think it's fair to listen to everything prepubescent of Michael Jackson. <laughs> sure. Until well, you know. listen while he was suffering and others were making money off him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I think it's fair, you know, you know. And then you can still yeah. have a good dance at a wedding, and it's okay. Yeah. And, you know, no one was harmed except for the, you know, and, and artists are allowed to be harmed and make great music that's enjoyed by people. That's how it works, you know, traditionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so the deal. That's sort of my my deal. If we have to rid the world, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah, annoying, yeah. isn't it? When like good music, you just think, oh, if that was just like I don't know, uh, like uh, Keen or something, and you found out they'd been up to no good, you're like, that's all right. We can easily okay. That's fine. We'll be okay with that. Bye, Keen. Yeah. So, so, See you later, Keen. Oh well, you know. Um, uh, oh, Keen. Yeah. 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 Bye. Even the Lily Allen version on that John Lewis ad. Ah, fine. Fair Doesn't yeah. matter. James Brown for me, like that would be a really big one. Like James Brown was an awful man. Yeah. Yeah. Awful, awful man. And you know, listen to the JBs without James Brown. I mean, they're they're superb. You can get there definitely. Mm. No, no problems. But but it's still better with James Brown, and he was he was terrible. Yeah. So I, but it, yeah, there is that thing with Morrissey specifically where you're like, oh no, yeah. oh not you. And then and then you sort of, if you go back, you and I'm never sure how helpful this is, but if you go back and listen to earlier stuff, then you're like, oh hello, maybe the warnings were there. But then people have done that with J.K. Rowling and gone, oh well, actually, if you go back to the very first Harry Potter, what you'll see actually is rampant transphobia. In the very beginning, why Dudley? Why is Dudley a, just a boy who's a boy in a boy's skin? Ah, and Cho Chang. Ah, oh, well, there's a very Chinese name. It's like, look, your revisionist version of the Harry Potter novels to try and prove your point is, mm. is for the birds. You know, it's, it's bollocks. 
I do feel, though, and maybe I'm being a massive hypocrite here, that with Morrissey, you're like, mm, mm, <laughs> England is mine. <laughs> oh, 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 gosh. I saw uh, once, it was in some music magazine, and I think he was originally, when he was young, he was, he was the president of a fan club. I think it was for maybe the New York Dolls or someone. And yeah. someone had found a load of letters that he'd written to, like, it was like back and forth between Morrissey and Melody Maker or, or Enemy or mm. something. Right? And like, even then, before he was a famous person, when he was just the, the head of a fan club in Manchester, like, even then, the bile and vitriol, and, you know, he'd write back, going, blah, 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 maybe after you've considered all my points above, you'll dare to question me on this subject again. And it was like, wow, yeah. you were just, like, that's how you came out the mould like that. You were born, yeah, policy, yeah, yeah. you know. And, and also, you know, that's, I don't doubt, part of what made him a great and defiant lyricist and a brilliant performer mm. with the Smiths. Yeah. Just amazing to watch, you know. Yeah. Except for now, if you want to watch him, you have to watch a half an hour video about factory farming first, I think is the thing, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. So I think, yeah, <laughs> just a very difficult person to be on the island with. And him against Bear Grylls as well. And you're always going to, it doesn't matter what, you're, you're never going to win against Morrissey. Like, if you're trying to p- keep the peace between the two, he, you're always no, going to come off badly. It'd be miserable. You're looking at, at division. Yeah, yeah. There, you know, yeah. the culture war. Yeah. An excellent choice. Great. Well, who will be the third person to join them on the island? Well, I must apologise for the vagueness of this because it isn't one specific person, okay. but it's literally take your pick of any friend of mine who's written a book that I haven't read <laughs> because I'll have had a copy of their book sent to me mm. and I'll have possibly taken a selfie with the book to help sell it and put it on social media and probably written to them and said... Great book, what an achievement, well done, made up for you, absolutely sensational. On more than one occasion, I've also provided a cover quote (laughs) for the book. And what I feel would happen over time on the island, because time would be your friend, uh, time would be your constant companion, rather, is that my friend would, after, say, a very innocent question no probing at all it would begin to come clear that i haven't read their book mm. that's what would happen yeah, yeah. bit by bit and that it would start with like oh god this uh, reminds me of um of clevedon in uh <laughs> reminds me of clevedon in the book and i'd go who hey, what yeah clevedon the the main protagonist oh god yeah yeah and then a week later, they they dwell on it and they go, um, you know, you know, in chapter six when, um, and they'd see the colour drain from my face, <laughs> and eventually there'd be a moment, yeah, and they'd go, did you read my book? Did you? Did you read my book? And I'd be sitting there in silence while Morrissey went, oh, I've got an idea for a song. <laughs> And Bear would go, now, a book is an excellent way to start a fire. Uh, you know, yeah. and I'd have to, eventually I'd have to look, my dear friends who've done, like, writing a book is no small thing. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. And reading a book is a pleasure and easy. Easy. None of the books my friends have written are particularly difficult to read. Mm. And I'd have to just look them in the eye and go, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Really sorry. It's such a hard one, though, isn't it? That sort of thing. I mean, I, I, I know a couple of people who've written books, but I know a lot of people who've kind of, you know, various... They've put things out into the world, you know, be it books or podcasts or radio shows and things. And, I'm yeah, I'm the same. I'm terrible. And you, also, like, a lot of the time, you don't know all the details about it. And you just... There's only so many times you can go, oh, yeah, 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 of course. I was thinking about the other thing you did. Or, oh, yeah, no, I yeah, forgot. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. For, yeah, of course you did that. But, yeah, just they're going to be haunting you all the time. I think yeah. to make this island particularly uh, bad, I think we should probably put a, like, a group of these people on the island with you so that there's a number of instances of this happening rather than just one. Oof. You know, so there's a sort of... Again a, and again. So that that like they... A tangled web. They come, basically, they stay as long on the island as it takes for them to realise I haven't read their book <laughs> and then they're replaced with a new one. I think so, yeah. But yeah, sometimes, wow. you know, you can have several on the go at once, I think, yeah. Yeah, that'd be really good. So that they all 
they talk to each other about it and there's like a group confrontation. Yeah, that's what I think. I, I just think oh. with these sort of things, it's so hard because I always reckon the best way to sort of tell if something you're putting out is good is if someone who you don't know gives you a nice bit of feedback because otherwise it's a bit like showing your mum a drawing that you've done. You know, it's kind of, yeah. when I was younger and I used to DJ a bit, I knew I wasn't doing that well if it was only my friends dancing. You know, then you're like, oh, this feels sure. awful, you know. They're being supportive. So I kind of yeah. think it's on the onus is on the person who's written the book to be like, I don't give a fuck if you read it or not. It's fine. I want yeah. all the people that buy it to read it, you know. But, yeah. but yeah. it doesn't work like that. No one gives you that sort of carte blanche. It's, and you do just feel terrible when, you, when you're, you're discovered. Yeah, absolutely. It's the worst thing. And I do, like, I'm very sincere about it always. I get the new book, I have a good look at it, and I go, like, oh, they're so great. God almighty, what a thing. And it goes on my bedside table, and I'll usually say to them, if they'll say, you know, did you get? A, did you have a chance to... And I'll go, mate, I'll be honest with you. As you know, so many of our mates have written books. It's on my bedside table. I, I, I can't wait to get to it. I'm literally, like, the moment I've finished Robin Ince's book i'll be straight on well i actually once i've finished robin ince's book i'm going to read mark billingham's um book and um then sarah millican's written a, a biography and she's just she's so she's so funny and sarah pascoe's done a sequel to animals which um i i don't know if you read that. anyway I, I you know i'll definitely get to it it's fucking exhausting yeah. i literally like if we're, if we're not careful like I will only read books that my friends have written yeah. between now and when I die on the island when they stone me to death <laughs> for not having read their book. Yeah, fair enough. I think it's such a difficult situation. And it's not that you're not willing, but it's almost harder to read it when it's your friend's output because you're used to interacting with them as a mate. You know, so it's, it's yeah. weird to then kind of hear this different voice from them. I think it's just easier to just be mates with someone and just say, look, I'm not going to read it probably. But yeah, I think it's great that you've even got that. I haven't written a book. Yeah. But it's never, you can't do that to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have written a book and I don't expect any of my friends to have read it. So that's fine. That's yeah. just fine. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be a horrible atmosphere as well, and um... it's constantly tense. And with me, like that fear just gnawing away at you, mm. and probably going off alone on the island and practicing a speech in which I say, "Look, just I want things to be cool, and so I'm going to tell you something now, and I'm I am sorry about it, but also I hope you'll understand how important it is for me to let you know I haven't read your book." I said I had at the time because I knew I would get round to it and I wanted you to know that I thought it was great that you'd done it, but I haven't read it. And then I go, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. It'd be awful. And I'd rewrite it a million times in my head. Mm. Or they'll tell you that it's fine. It's like, don't, Marcus, don't worry. Look, we're on a fucking desert island anyway. Don't worry about yeah, it, mate. Who cares, but man. then one day it would come up, you know, like you'd be having an argument about something like who ate the last mango or something. Yeah. And then you just hear them mutter like... At least I read your book. And you're like, what did you what say? What did you say? Oh, no, nothing. Did no, you say nothing. you'd read no, my nothing. book? Is that what you said? Because this isn't even about that. This is about the last mango. Yeah. It's, it, it's neat. It's not your fault and it's not my fault that the title of your book was The Last Mango. No one could have known that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, so I've, I feel like those three, I think Bear Grylls, Morrissey and any friend who's written a book felt like a, a spicy... A spicy, terrible stew. I think you're absolutely right. I think that makes for a, a, a shit party. On the so island. bad. So bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Marcus. Now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink yes? left over. Yes. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. Oh, hell's what bells. What are they and why are they so bad? Well, what should we do first? Food? Yep, sure. Yeah, let's do food. All right, it's cheap shit. Cheese slices. Okay, so we're talking like the sort of burger, burger cheese, cheese, the plastic. Yeah. So I am, and this is true, a level one, a qualified level one cheese master. <laughs> right. I've done a course. I'm qualified. I was a judge at the World Cheese Awards last year. Wow. Yeah. So bad cheese is one of the saddest things in the world for me. <laughs> um, it just, because I love cheese so much. Hmm. 
it has so many variations in flavour and texture and a lot of cheeses like fine wines have stories attached to them and the stories to me are fascinating yeah they're not huge but they're fascinating and and nuanced and even with a few cheeses that I don't particularly like I'm still like okay well I know why I dislike that whereas with mm. shit low quality mass produced plastic burger cheese it would have cheese written on the packet and that would remind me of cheese mm. but it wouldn't ever feel or taste like cheese and I'd keep trying to do things with it to make it more acceptable and they would all fail because I have tried and I you know yeah. like even on a burger crap plastic cheese makes me feel sad I'm like you could have put you could have put gorgonzola on this mm. you could have put some quicks vintage cheddar on this you know it's it's one of those weird things that when when you're not always sure if it's unwrapped or not because it's still so shiny when you take it out of the packet that's such a good description that then you've got a problem haven't yes you? You know, exactly like, is this i can't i can't find that you've unwrapped it already ah, i see that's fine <laughs> it's indistinguishable <laughs> with its own packaging yeah yeah there you go that's yeah. that's such a good description of why yeah. it's shit yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that? Have you taken the plastic off these? No, don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, does it? Doesn't matter. Just leave it. It's just like some paste. It's just a thin layer of paste on your tongue. Hmm. Um, it's a weird thing, isn't it? It's like because I'm sure if you sort of I don't know if you found an, a, a a native of somewhere who'd never tried cheese, maybe it didn't exist in hmm. their in their cuisine. And you gave him a piece of cheddar or any other sort of fairly average cheese, and then you gave him a cheese slice. It wouldn't be surprising if they didn't realise they were the same food group. Yes, Do you know what I mean because they're yeah. so they bear so little resemblance to each other. Yeah, you, know, you go okay, which is the odd one out? And yeah, you go. Well, I don't know what's this. This isn't. I don't know what this is. I mean, I I assume that people who want that sort of cheese on their burger, they don't want cheese. What they want is a layer of goo, and I get that. Yeah. Like a layer of goo is can be very nice. Why not? I've had some lovely evenings with just a layer of goo. <laughs> um, so they don't what they, they they don't want cheese. Not not really. But for me, like as I'm a real foodie, I'm passionate about food, mm. and any meal that is like just low rent and matter of fact and fuel, which is a lot of you know, my wife likes likes fuel sometimes. Just likes fuel. Nothing too tasty. Just. I'm like, what a waste! What a waste! We could have had, we could have had something exquisite there, and now one of the meals before we die has passed, <laughs> and it contained what? Nothing, just mm. fuel. Mm. I find food so delicious. There's, but there's literally nothing I don't like. I really struggled with this because I don't like fennel very much. Okay, yeah. But you know, with an orange dressing in a salad, it can be exquisite. Yeah. Um, with uh, used um, to cook fish on, the flavour of the fennel like rises up mm. when you roast it, goes into the fish, and works weirdly well with it. And fennel is one of my least favourite things on earth. And I'm still like, that has value. Yeah. The stuff I think has no value is is shit cheese because I'm like, Ugh. yeah, you're right. Why? Because it only works on like, the worst kind of burgers. You know, like if you go to sort of McDonald's yeah. or whatever. But as soon as you elevate any yeah. part of that. It's wrong. Yeah. You know, it's, it's... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm like, I don't... I, I, I agree with Scroobius Pip. Don't be, a, don't be a snob about your music. Mm. You know, there's a lot of pop music that I absolutely love. But there's also loads of, like... At the moment, it's, it's predominantly R&B music that's just literally is, is, a, is a cheese slice. Yeah. Hey, girl, you're a girl, girl. <laughs> you got a girl, girl, with your girl going on, girl. <laughs> I'm going to touch you, girl, girl, on you, girl. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> what is this? Nothing. You made nothing. Yeah. You could have filled that song with anything and you just went, girl, mm. it's a cheese slice of a record. Yeah. And I'm proud to say neither of my kids like that kind of music. Thank God. Yeah. I had a moment um, some years ago. I left my daughter with a babysitter and I came back and found a Jimi Hendrix record on my record player and I was really pissed off. I was like, the babysitter should not be fucking with my vinyl. And then in the morning, my nine-year-old daughter came downstairs and said, 
Oh, Dad, I hope you don't mind. Um, the babysitter said she'd never heard any Hendrix, so I played Ladyland for her. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, free pass. Yeah. You can have a tattoo and a piercing. <laughs> you know, like, just, just, that's so cool. Yeah. And, and actually with food, they're, they're reasonably curious with food for kids, you know. Mm. I'm like, I would like them to go, oh, a new thing to try. What is it? And no one's like that. Yeah, I know. When you can sort of persuade them, when you go, when they sort of turn their nose up at something and you go, oh, yeah, but just try it. On the odd occasions when they do and then they like it, you're like, yes, that's so good. Yeah, exactly. That's so good. But the trouble for my kids is I wait that with so much expectation. Mm. I watch the mouthful going in and then I, well, well, <laughs> then they're, like, they're predisposed to go, yeah. sorry, Dad, I think it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point now i think yeah it is it is a good sort of analogy for everything that's just bland and useless and you know just yeah could be a bit more and even in a shit mcdonald's burger nice cheddar would still work better than those cheese yeah, slices of course it would yeah it would be something you know and it's not that difficult to do and you know and I, not that i'm morrissey but the arguments against eating meat and dairy are ones that i have great sympathy with and no ability to enact <laughs> in my own life but i do i am of of the view that like eat less meat of a higher quality yeah and also eat the entire animal i mm. think bear grills would like this about me that i eat every part of a creature that's died for my pleasure uh, that mm. like people who are like oh gross they sprayed all the all the extra bits off the chicken carcass in order to make nuggets. I'm like, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Good, and then boil what's left and make, make broth. Like, yeah. eat, eat every, every part of what's there. But, but there's no excuse for, like, shit mass-produced mass meat and mm. shit mass-produced cheese because you don't need it to be cheese anyway. It could be yeah. anything. It's just paste. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And on the island as well, I mean, you know, a load of those slices sweating in the sun. I mean, it's... It's yeah. just a, a horrendous thought, isn't it? It's yeah. just Whereas God. I know lots of cheeses that do very well for being out of a fridge for a good while before you eat them. They improve, yeah. you know, and some rock four kept literally under a rock. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Well, what, Sensational. What will your worst drink be then? Lager. Lager. I don't drink alcohol. I'm a recovering alcoholic mm -hmm. and I've been sober for very nearly 30 years, if you can believe it. Um, uh, my entire adult life, in fact, I stopped drinking when I was 17 years old. And um, I've never minded being around drink. I like it, in fact. I like it when mates get pissed, um, provided I'm there to begin with. Mm. Like, I don't like showing up and everybody's already pissed. Yeah. Then you feel like, oh, this is awful. And I've nothing, it's not a snob thing. I've nothing against lager, you know, as a, you know, the places where lager gets drunk and da-da-da. But it just seemed to me to be emblematic of a, of a type of drinking that I feel excluded from. Right. Without being too sentimental about it, that it's like, right, come on, lads. Let's, who's getting the beers in? Mm. Let's get some beers in. And it's usually lager. It's usually just sort of fizzy, pissy golden lager and also have envy stuff going on so i i very rarely crave alcohol there's like a couple of times a year and one of the times is at christmas when i see people drinking red wine mm. and it's cold outside and maybe there's a fire lit and i can see like the color the depth the texture of the red wine makes me go oh i'd love some of that and then the other time is at the start of the summer when you first see people drinking a beer outside yeah. and it's got condensation on the outside of the glass and the sun's shining through it and it's like rolled gold. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I look at it and go, oh, oh God, oh, I'd love a, I'd love a mug off beer. <laughs> um, so I think I'd have both the sort of, the slightly snobby dismay I feel when people drink lager and think oh fuck off <laughs> and also the jealousy yeah yeah also that like yeah that's a nice long fizzy drink for the for the sunshine for the beach yeah i think i'd like some of that and then they don't then they'd get all beery and pissy uh, uh, i think I as well like, 
we just fetishize it so much as as a country. Like, I wonder if you know, if you'd grown up in a different country, maybe you wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't even have those jealous points because for us, it's just yeah. we've put it on such a pedestal. You know, and I, we, yeah. I've spoken on this podcast before where people have not been keen keen on beer, and they've said that like the disdain of people like who you know if you go oh I don't like beer and they'll go you what you know it's not the sort of oh fair enough well I do but you don't yeah. it's like you're not allowed not to and but I think yeah it's it's just such a sort of it should be on our flag you know and, yeah yeah and, yeah and, yeah, um, yeah and I don't think it's I think very... there are plenty of people who would argue that as a serious <laughs> yeah. serious point yeah so the queen holding a pint you know um, yeah Take the blue bit out. Scotland can go Lager, St George, and whatever the Welsh bit is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right, and it, it's such a. It gets spilt all the time as well. Yeah. Whenever you like the sticky floor thing, or some wanker turning round from the bar, imagining they can carry six beers. <laughs> in their two little sweaty hands. And they never can. They just, everyone gets beer all over them. I'm just like, oh, just... Also, I mean, look, I think that most people's first drink, whatever it is, they don't really like. Yeah. But I think particularly beer. Mm. It's like, come on, no one's liking that. Yeah. Not really. Let's do an experiment. Give more (laughs) beer to kids to see what... (laughs) Oh, well, I'll wait till yeah. my son's home from nursery later and I'll start today. Yeah. In the name Stick of investigation. Stick some beer in his sippy cup and see what he makes of it. Yeah. And if you're on the island, you know, obviously you're not you're not a drinker. There's lager everywhere and it's going to look tempting in the sun. And then when you do get it, if you yeah. finally relent and you just think, fuck it, I'm going to die soon. Morrissey's doing yeah, my head I've, in. I've had to listen to Morrissey go on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, he's just yeah. found out I haven't read his book either, you know, and um, <laughs> and then but all the beers then warm as well, so it's like you've gone this long, yeah. and then when you finally break, it's going to be shit as well, isn't it? It's totally indistinguishable from Bear Grylls' yeasty piss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it'd be t- it'd just be too, too bleak. Yeah, Fair too enough. bleak, too grim. <laughs> and if I was gonna, because I probably would, I'd probably sack off staying sober on the island, there are literally a list of about a thousand drinks I would have before a pint of lager. Mm. Um, I'd like it to be something really, really magnificent. Something that I remember from when I was drinking, a really high quality drink, like say Southern Comfort. <laughs> <laughs> the cheese slice of, <laughs> of pre-dinner mm. uh, aperitifs. Yeah. <laughs> My memory of Southern Comfort, by the way, is that it is genuinely one of the most exquisite things on the entire planet. <laughs> Whereas I am assured by people I know who actually drink, uh, no such thing. No, it's, it's the answer to the question, what if booze was sweeter? Yeah, yeah. I think that's That's it. what I remember. It's like starter whiskey, isn't it? It's, you know, my first, yeah. my first booze. Fair enough. Okay, well, to distract you from the worst food and drinks, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? ABBA (laughs) are the most brilliant songwriters possibly ever. Like, from a technical point of view, I can listen to any ABBA song and go, yep, Yeah, yeah, tick, that's hitting all the marks. It's really great. It's so well produced. It's so well written. And it's not true to say that I hate ABBA, but I do fucking hate Dancing Queen. (laughs) I hate it so much. Not least because the title is so misleading. Have you ever tried to dance to Dancing Queen or see people do it? Yeah, it's not a great one, is it? It's kind of... Because it's quite slow, isn't it? So slow. It's not quite slow enough to be a slow dance, mm. but it's not fast enough to dance to. Let's it dance is like between. that as well. Let's dance by David Bowie. That's that's much slower than. But you at think. least it, I agree. At least it's pointy. Yeah. You know, and it goes. Let's dance, so yeah. you can like throw yourself a bit. Dancing Queen doesn't. It chugs. Mm. Dancing Queen. Da, 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 da. All, all I've ever really seen people do is cry and point. Yeah. During Dancing yeah. Queen, 
You know, even in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which I love, they, do, they have Dancing Queen in that. And even then you're like, this is the least good bit of this. Mm. I hate it. I hate it. And it gets played all the time. I very, ne- I should say, I very nearly put Love Shack by the B-52s, oh, which yeah. is a mistong, a uh, 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 mistong, yeah, it's a mistong, <laughs> a mistaken song. Uh, it's a song that people are mistaken in thinking is good. It's mm. not. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, Dancing Queen, like, I feel the same about ABBA. I think, basically, you know, it's taken me quite a while to sort of come round to them. When I was young, I thought, oh, it's a bit cheesy. And then as I get older, I'm like, no, this is really good. But Dancing Queen, it's there's almost like an inherent sadness about it. It's sort of like the song mm. that, like, I, it makes me think of sort of someone crying outside a wedding and then someone going, come on, exactly. it's all right. Here, have a drink, pick yourself up, let's go back inside. And then come Dancing on. Queen. Dancing Queen's on. Yeah, and they're sort oh. of smiling through the tears and someone's like, are you oh. all right? It's like, she's fine, leave her, leave her, she's, she's fine. Uh, yeah, exactly, leave her. She's young and sweet, she's only 17. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, then it's... and then it's quite an emotional cuddle at the end go you'll always be my dancing queen mate. <laughs> you always will. Oh, um... I fucking hate it. I think it's so bad. Mm. And it's a real it's a grabber of a song as well, isn't it? That like when it does fire up at a wedding, you get grabbed by someone going, "Ah, oh, it's dancing yeah. queen. Come on." Yay, uh... everybody. Uh, da, da, da. And I don't get, oh. I've never understood the sort of people that can dance to anything. You know, when people do it, oh, I don't like this song, I'm going to sit down or I'm not going to dance to it. And people go, yeah. come on, don't be such a stick in the mud. And you're like, no, it actually makes me feel quite sad dancing to music yeah. that I hate. You know, yes. and people are like, oh, come on. And it's yeah. one of those, isn't it? It's like, it's cheese slices again for me. It's mm. like, there's so much great music, so much. And from them as well, from ABBA. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm. So, you know, it's easy to... Yeah, it's it's easy to sort of join in and try and jolly yourself along, but I can't do it for the duration of a whole song. No. I think uh, it's a nice image, though. It's like a good song to go mad to on the island. Like, if you sort of imagine you guys washed up on the island and just yeah. dancing Queen over the background. I mean, it's it's one of those songs that it's, you can just imagine you all just falling into insanity to, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rocking yeah. backwards and forwards. Mm, Morrissey yeah. particularly I think he'd really struggle <laughs> yeah. and maybe maybe a close friend saying I mentioned Abba in um, in the third chapter of my book actually and I'd go <laughs> yeah, yeah I remember and then they'd go I didn't <laughs> and we'd yeah. have to start all over again Bear Grylls I reckon would like it he'd be like come on yeah probably come on let's have a lager mm. And I've I've wrapped the cheese slice around this inedible root. <laughs> and let's have a dance to Dancing Queen. Oh, man, what an image. What an image. And what would your film choice be? Revenge of the Sith. Mm. I love Star Wars so much that I've gone back and watched the three prequel ones mm-hmm. several times because I can't believe I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone back through them. And gone, no, 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 there's worth in these. There is, and I'd, I'd, I'd say there is worth in the, what was the first one? Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. There's a lot mm. of worth in that. The pod race is superb. I think very young Anakin's cute enough. I think he's fine. I think Queen Armadala is great. Um, I think for all that um, Jar Jar Binks is annoying, Boss Nass is kind of a curious and, and more Star Warsy character than people mm. gave it credit for. But by the time you get to Revenge of the Sith, I just, I was like, is it Hayden Christensen, I think it is, who plays yeah. Anakin becoming Darth Vader? I feel really bad for the guy because basically anyone who cares about Star Wars does so because that transformation from this young, curiously powerful Jedi into the most powerful Sith Lord in the galaxy. There's no way any actor could play that better than we all have a million times in our imagination. Mm. So I felt bad for him. That said, he was shit. Yeah. (laughs) He was shit in that role. He was badly directed and he played it badly. Yeah, I just remember watching it and the the second one and the third one get merged into one in my mind because I think it was like... Just, I couldn't not go and see him at the cinema, but I, I was just kind of going, oh, mm. for fuck's sake, you know. 
And mm. and I get it when you've had like a child actor. Say I mean, this isn't a comment on Daniel Radcliffe, but say if you pick a child star for like Harry Potter, and then the films yeah. go on and they age with the film, and it might be that they turn out to not be a very good grown-up actor, you know, because you can be mm. you can get away with being a bit shitter as a child, I think. Yeah. But with him, it's like you picked him. It's not like you had the same actor all the way through, and it's you know as no. roles go, being Darth Vader, quite a big one. Like, yeah, huge. Didn't anyone spot that he was shit? I mean, it's yeah, it's not. I mean, <laughs> someone must have seen this. I mean, in my day job, yeah. I I make adverts for radio, and the ones that I have to do for film are always the hardest because there are so many layers of sign off, and people go, "Oh no, can you change mm. that word to this?" And everyone's so so. I can't mm. believe that an actor that bad for a role that big slipped through that many layers of sign-off processes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Funnily enough, my, my son is doing um, a media studies A-level and we were talking at, at the weekend about the fact that, but I think particularly with film and telly, because it involves so many people, if you've ever seen a truly great film, you've seen something miraculous mm-hmm. because it takes so many people and so many elements all in the same moment to come together the costume's got to be right. The cinematography's got to be right. The lighting's got to be right. The sound's got to be right. The editing's got to be right. The actor's got to be right for the role. And the script's got to be right in that moment. And not. And the director's got to be right. Like, for all of those to come together in a single moment and be brilliant, like, the odds against that are huge. So average films should still be celebrated. <laughs> but Revenge of the Sith is almost entirely without merit. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. And it's, it's a sadness for me because I, I'm 47. So, you know, the original Star Wars, A New Hope, was it's absolutely what I grew up on. And I loved it so much. And the very fact that it, it came up at the beginning, it said Star Wars, A New Hope, episode four. I was like, what? <laughs> what? what? No one stopped. Where are the other three? And that's that's literally been since I was five years old. Like, what are the other three? Will we ever see the other... The the other three are coming! And then, no, they're not. And then, yes, they are! They're happening! Who's doing it? George Lucas, the original. Yes! Oh, my God! It's happening! And then Phantom Menace happened. And you're like, oh, you say people are going to die? You're like... Okay. Yeah. All right. But on the other hand, um, um, what's his name? Uh, red and black oh, got chopped in half. Darth Maul. Such a waste. Darth Maul. Mm. Da, 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 da. Oh, so great, so great. <laughs> it should never have killed him in the first one. Um, and then the second one, you're like, okay, the first one was problematic, but I'm here. I'm here for the ride. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Second one was terrible. I remember people openly laughing in the cinema at that yeah. point. Yeah, but then you're like the third one. You're like, all right, here we go. This will tie it up. This will tie it up. And then you're like, oh, God almighty. Man, yeah, it's so painful. I think that's when the most recent trilogy came out. Um, And, you know, they've been sort of, they've had slightly mixed reviews, but I think I'd say in general positive reviews. Um, I think that, yeah, yeah. But for me, just when people are slagging them off, I'm like, I'm just so relieved they're not those, you know, they're not of that standard. Yeah, 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 so yeah. when the first of the new batch came out, I remember watching it and just going, oh, it's such a relief that it's good and Rogue One and things like that. I was like, yeah, they're great, I mean, man. No, the relief you know. is better than the film being good. You know, that gave it such yeah. a glow for yes. me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I feel about it. It's kind of like Revenge of the Sith is sort of like Blair's labour. In that I'd waited a really long time. I'd only known a Conservative government and Labour came into power when I was at university, which is the right age. Mm. And if you're at university and you're a Conservative voter, there's something wrong with you. Later in life, if you decide that's for you, fine. Or or earlier in life, before you're allowed to vote and your parents do it, you've not had to think about it, fine. If you're at university and you're a Conservative, fuck off. What are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? So Labour came into power for the first time in my life and I was like, oh my God, this is so incredible. Things are going to change. And then 
you know, one of the greatest political disappointments of my life. And it's awful to describe it as a disappointment and refer to my life when you consider what the ramifications were. But when Blair's Labour Party went with Bush into Iraq and then you look at what happened mm. and it, it, it was such a painful betrayal. And uh, as bleak as it is to compare the two, I'm going to say that Revenge of the Sith felt like that for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... You can't do that. I've waited so long mm-hmm. for this, for this to be a good thing. Yeah. And now look, now look what you've done. <laughs> and and people will never forgive you, by the way. Yeah. Quite rightly. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, other bits in the sort of the canon as well, there's been, you know, strong films. But that, I mean, of everything that happens, that should be the, the best film given, you know, on paper. Like that's when Darth yeah. Vader happens, you know. How, yeah. and, and that's the bit we can never watch again. Yeah. And that should be that, like, you should be able on the desert island to go, all right, listen, I haven't read your book, okay? And I'm sorry about that. But here's what we're going to do. We both know Revenge of the Sith is not a great movie, but let's just watch that, like, that five minute sequence that's so great. Let's watch that. And there isn't one. <laughs> No. There's not even a five minute, even the rolling credits at the beginning. No. Yeah. And it's just going to remind you of all the good ones that you've enjoyed. Yeah. And you're never going to watch again. That yeah. was, yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, it would be a reminder of, you know, Star Wars and New Hope. God knows how many times I watched it as a kid. Certainly yeah. every Christmas day and every Easter day from the age of about five up to maybe 15 you know, but it, it was what was on. You're like, yes, yeah. this is on again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd be reminded of some of my happiest film watching experiences yeah. while struggling through that. And being a mug, being a Star Wars mug, I would go back and put it on again as well. I'd be like, I don't know, let's, let's give it another go. Yeah. Marcus, stop torturing yourself. Come on, have some cheese. We're, we're having a little dance over here. Oh, yeah. God almighty. <laughs> Morrissey finally relenting and eating the craft cheese whilst dancing to Dancing Queen. Yeah. While Bear Grylls yeah. goes, I fashioned a speaker out of this um, whale skull that I found. <laughs> You've just yeah, made Dancing Queen louder, mate. <laughs> Uh, well, look, you're making, you're doing such a good job of making a horrendous island. I'm actually feeling a bit uncomfortable. But before before we finish, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. What animal is it, and why? It's a dairy cow. Dairy and it's cow. there's nothing wrong with the dairy cow per se. It's me and dairy cows <laughs> because I'd be very, I'd be very torn. Firstly, so I am, and I do want to say this again a qualified level one cheese master who judged at the 2019 World Cheese Awards in Bergamo, Italy. I love my cheese. The arguments against dairy are strong. And one of the issues on the island would be that a dairy cow would plough through our resources incredibly quickly. Any vegetation that we could be eating, the cow would eat. Now, Mm. there are parts of vegetation that the cow could eat that we couldn't eat and we could get the nutritional value out of its milk. But there are several things going on. One, as I milked the cow, I worry that I would develop a relationship with it. Hmm. Not sexual, but <laughs> a close affection. Yeah. And that one day, instinct would get the better of me, and I would kill it and eat its meat. Yeah. I worry about that. I worry about the emotional impact of finally having to admit there are not enough there's not enough vegetation on the island to sustain this dairy cow. The only sensible thing to do with this is kill it and eat it. Yeah. I'm emotionally attached to it. Also, Morrissey would literally come for me with his Union Jack hatchet that he's fashioned <laughs> out of coconuts. Mm. Bear Grylls would be horrified that I had allowed the cow to live as long as it had and, you know... And then he'd, then he'd be all full of instructions about how to slaughter it and, and what to have. And the friend whose book I haven't read wouldn't be talking to me then anyway. Mm. So on every level, it's a really problematic animal yeah. to have. Really problematic. You'd also have the potential to make cheese, but none of the kit as well. So that could be quite painful. For That's you true. Well. Although I do think I would succeed in making cheese on the island. Yeah. 
I mean, given your level one status, I mean, I, I suppose yeah. if anyone's yeah. going to do it on the island. I don't you know. think I would manage to make, you know, a particularly exquisite, um, I don't know, like a camembert or a rockfall. But I do, I do think I could succeed in making a blue. You know, mm -hmm. all the blue cheeses were found by mistake. I'd need a damp, dark cave. And then yeah. we'd see what would happen. I would brine wash some of the cheese with seawater. See what happens, okay. you know? Yeah. yeah. I'd like to think that within six months, I could present a very palatable five cheese board. <laughs> I like to think that too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's given me some comfort after imagining the, the, the hellscape of the island that you're yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, that is yeah. a comforting idea. Yeah. Of you emerging triumphant yeah. from the cave with, with a few cheeses. And I do think yeah. this as well is that, you know, I believe in nose to tail eating because I think it's a waste to kill something and not eat all of it. But the time constraints of meat on a hot desert island would mean I yeah. would have to try and eat nose to tail that beast in a couple of days tops. <laughs> yeah. And that is yeah. a lot. Morrissey wouldn't have any. My friend would be sulking because I haven't read his book. Bear would take down his share. Yeah. But even still, a whole cow is a lot for a person to oh, eat. Oh, it's, it's an insane amount. Yeah. No, I was yeah. thinking that it's uh, it's not going to be easy. So, yeah, yeah, it's a it's, it's a bad island you've got there, um, Marcus. It's a terrible island. Yeah. It's really bleak. Really bleak. I don't want to go. I'll be honest with you. I don't even want to go. <laughs> Well, we can take some comfort in the fact that hopefully your torment has provided entertainment for a lot of people listening because it has been uh, a so. pleasure having you on. So thank Thanks, you very man. much for coming on. And uh, where can we uh, hear and see more of you at the minute? Um, well, my wife, Rachel Paris, and I are doing a Tuesday night um, live Zoom show through Always Be Comedy. And uh, it, uh, we sort of went, yeah, let's try this and see what it's like. And it turns out, it's some of the most fun both of us have ever had. So we're doing that every um, Tuesday night on Zoom through Always Be Comedy. And uh, I definitely recommend people come along to that. It's totally different every week and we have a right old laugh. Good. Lovely. Well, Marcus, thanks again for coming on to Desert Island X. No probs, man. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers.